listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL Show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We're free and available on all platforms, now including YouTube. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for The Win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette and host of Game Over Montreal on the SDPN. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Friday edition of the Crosscheck, the conference finals have begun, and boy, they're more similar than we thought they would be. Plus, we'll check in on what Jordan Bennington's reasoning was behind throwing a water bottle at Nazem Kadri, and also... What animal best represents hockey? Andrew, I'm very excited for you to explain this because this is a recent addition to our doc or uh, our podcast doc for the day. Uh, but before we get into all of that, how are you doing, Andrew? I'm doing great, Mary, because of Obi-Wan. <laughs> yep. Yep. Can't wait to talk about that. That'll be uh, a great way to end off the show. Uh, overall, just had a great day. Uh, yesterday, I went uh, for Christmas. I bought my wife a like day at the spa basically mm-hmm. like uh, mani pedi 80 minute deep tissue massage and because of covid restrictions we were not able to do that until yesterday <laughs> uh-huh. so yesterday spent the day at the spa super relaxing amazing feel good today so uh very ready to tackle the rest of the playoffs now recharge uh, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, I get that. I completely get that. That's kind of how I felt after my last weekend, long weekend, wedding weekend, got to, you know, do different things. I mean, it was, you know, it was busy and stuff, but it was still a good time, a relaxing time. So I get that completely. It's nice to rest and recharge and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, things are good here. I didn't realize until a little bit later in the day that Obi-Wan came out on Wednesday after premiering on Friday. I don't know why they did that. Because, you know, it made me believe that the show was going to drop on Fridays instead. But no, it's Wednesdays. Uh, so thankfully, I was able to rectify that and watch it. So we are we're all good to go. We can talk about spoilers on that. Uh, but we got some hockey to talk about first, Andrew. And the first thing I wanted to lead off with before we get to the playoffs, because you bumped this out of the last segment because of, I don't know, some random nonsense to end this show, which I, <laughs> I'm excited for. I know I'm excited for, but it just confused me so much because I haven't been paying attention to Twitter. But we're going to talk first about Jordan Bennington, who I want to say broke his silence, kind of, I guess, on uh, what happened um, with the water bottle toss, um, you know, in was it? I think game three of the second round between uh, the Blues and the Avs uh, came after, um, you know, Kadri collided with him in net. Uh, Bennington was injured, did not play the rest of the series, did not play the rest of the playoffs, obviously, because the Blues are no longer playing. So I'm going to read you, uh, the listeners, this uh, like four-part quote uh, from Twitter. It was from Jeremy Rutherford um, of uh, The Athletic, a Blues writer for The Athletic. Uh, th- basically, like the, the Bennington's entire quote explaining the whole thing. And then we just kind of get to dunk on Bennington because it's kind of a it's a big loser quote, if, in my opinion. But Agreed. yeah. Quote first. So, Bennington on throwing the water bottle at Kadri. I went to get my knee checked out mid-game. I was coming back to the rink, and the game just ended. Walking down the hallway, I couldn't find a recycling bin on my way down the hallway. Right before I walked into the locker room, I see him kind of doing an interview there, smiling, laughing, and I'm there in a knee brace, limping down the hallway. I just felt like it was a God-given opportunity. I could stay silent and go in the room, or I could say something and just have him look me in the eye and understand what's going on. Something to think about. Yeah, I just threw the water bottle, an empty water bottle. It it landed like two feet from him. It is what it is. I mean, but it it is what it is. It's a hockey. It's hockey, and it's a competitive game. So that's it. Yeah, Andrew. So that's a big loser energy right there from Bennington, in my opinion. Extreme loser energy. (laughs) Here's here's where I am with Jordan Bennington. I'm I'm just done with him. I don't want to hear about him anymore. I know he's a hothead. I don't care. You never hear about players doing stuff like this off the ice because it just isn't done. And it doesn't matter that it's an empty water bottle. Like nobody thinks he was going to injure Kadri by throwing the water bottle. It's the complete lack of respect. Mm-hmm. And you can talk about like, oh, Kadri knew what he was doing or like he he played hard on purpose in order to drive Bennington like. If you like, I talked to Tim Peel about it in, in direct messages, and I hope he doesn't mind me sharing because I like totally disagreed with his take on how much intention he felt Kadri had on this play. And 
he, he like would not move away from the fact that Kadri knew what he was doing and that it was an intentional running the goalie situation. Whereas I thought that he had pressure on him that drove him into the goaltender. He attempted to stop like based on where his footing was and he could not do so. He was try He touched the puck first. He had every right to that space. Unfortunately, Bennington got injured, but that's still within the bounds of the game, whether it was accidentally on purpose or not. It's on the ice. You don't take that off the ice. Never do you take that off the ice. And the fact that Bennington did shows how immature he is. And again, I don't believe that he does that to a white player. I just mm-hmm. don't. His history looms large here. And I, I just I don't want to hear from him anymore. I think yeah. he's a bit of a joke. The stuff he does where he tries to like fake slash people in the face mm-hmm. or fake punch people and then get off the ice when games when he's pulled like just you're you're a loser. I'm sorry. I know you want a Stanley lame. Cup and it's, it's weird to say that you're a loser, but you're a loser. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just very lame. Like, like, I know we want more drama in our hockey, like, and and that's great and stuff like that. But like, I don't know, this just, it just feels different because you're right. The lack of respect shown here and stuff like that. Like, it's fun when, you know, Brad Marchand or whatever calls out Tony D'Angelo or, you know, Gerard Gallant calls out Tony D'Angelo and like stuff like that or like, you know, other things like stuff like that but like this just i don't know this feels completely different because he has a history of doing these things and he just he doesn't back it up really he he thought it was his god-given opportunity to toss this water bottle it just it feels so self-righteous in a way that doesn't even though he's won a stanley cup it just doesn't feel deserved i guess i don't know it just like you're a hockey player it's a privilege not a right to be a hockey player and he doesn't he doesn't see it that way and that is not the way it is but we just, I wanted to, I was going to have a little bit of a long discussion on it, but it's okay. We don't need to spend time talking about Jordan Bennington. He's not in the playoffs and Nazem Kadri is. And uh, I think that's True. all we really need to say on that. But, you know, transitioning into our first topic, it's going to be the Western Conference Final. And who boy, if you had switched this game out for game one of the Battle of Alberta, I don't think anybody would have noticed. It was like essentially <laughs> the exact same game. Uh, so that was Tuesday night. Uh, between the Oilers and the um, the Avalanche, and it was what I believe like eight to six, yeah, eight to six Avalanche uh, at the end of the night. Uh, poor Mike Smith is you know uh, seeing double here because he <laughs> at least he lasted longer in this game than game one. But oh my god, it feels like he's alert, almost allergic to game ones, really. So uh, yeah, uh, we're gonna unpack it. I. Obviously, by the time you guys hear this game, it will have been played just because that's how it is with our recording schedule. So we don't know, uh, is the series uh, 2-0 going to like going to Edmonton or is it going to be 1-1 headed back to, or headed to Edmonton? So uh, what did you think, Andrew, of this game one scenario? Uh, has it lived up to everything you had wanted it to be so far? Because so far it has for me. Yeah, it was it was a great first game uh, on both sides of the ice. I know that uh, you know Darcy Camper couldn't stop a beach ball in that game. Mm-hmm. Mike Smith, I think, was a lot better, despite the fact that he's the one that we like to make fun of. And mm-hmm. I know Sportsnet stats posted uh, Mike Smith's record in game ones with Edmonton, and his goals against average is like five. Oh no, it's higher than that. Sorry, oh, it's six point seven seven. Oh God! Eight, oh no! Save percentage eight twenty three. And oh, in man. five games, he's been pulled three times. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> it's, it's real bad. But on the plus side for Edmonton, since after game ones, he's actually been pretty decent in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And look at what happened in Calgary. And then look what happened the rest of that series. He was actually really strong comparatively to, to Jacob Markstrom between two very talented offensive teams. So there's that. Uh, Colorado lost their starting goaltender in uh Darcy Kemper, at least for a game. We don't know the the outcome of that. Pavel Frankuz is going to start. I don't know how that's going to work for Colorado. I'm not trusting their goaltending at all. Like Kemper hasn't been good either, Mm -hmm. but uh, I I thought it was a great game. Saw four goaltenders in one game. (laughs) Mike Smith's going to start game two. I I think the series has just amazing potential to be a classic. I really hope hope... it lasts longer than the Alberta one. Yeah, because like what? The Battle of Alberta didn't it last five games? Am I like Mm -hmm. remembering? Okay, because the Oilers won yeah, four straight uh, after that after that first game and I really hope it doesn't follow the same pattern here because sure, it will be a great story for Edmonton and whatnot, but like come on we deserve, like after the second round it kind of fell flat on its face a little bit 
um i we we deserve something like this i mean we will get to the next series which is different than i think we all thought it was going to go but uh for at least for now we'll stick with the western conference but yeah i mean it is concerning like it's funny because like you know, the Eastern Conference is billed as two great goalies and whatnot, and the West is, like, just, like, a clown show everywhere. I mean, part of it is because, you know, Darcy Kemper is injured. We don't know, like, the extent of his injury. I think I saw something that he pulled himself out of the game because he wasn't he wasn't able to see properly. It was, like, his, like, vision was blurry. Uh, so that doesn't look good. That was the last no. thing I saw on, you know, his injury. So I hope he's okay. Because uh, that to me signals possibly, you know, a concussion. Uh, it's not what not what you want to see uh, from a goaltender. Also, concussions just suck, uh, as we have talked about before. Um, so yeah, I mean, even though Mike Smith, he didn't really implode. I guess he may he should have maybe been able to stop a handful, not a handful, like maybe a goal. But like the Avalanche are just so good. They came out like on fire immediately. Um, they just. They looked so fast. They just completely overwhelmed the Oilers. Um, and it's hard to place really a lot of the blame on Mike Smith. Um, but, you know, the the game was... It, the score was, I guess, closer than the game indicated. Because, you know, by the end when when Darcy Kemper was out, uh, the... Uh, it was a one-goal game. Yeah, it was a one-goal game. And there was a very real possibility that the Oilers would have tied it. But that yep. didn't happen. Um, I think that's what impresses me the most about the Oilers this year. Uh, you know, they have their foibles. Uh, I don't think they're very <laughs> great defensively. Mm -hmm. Like, by the underlying metrics, they're still not amazing. Although they were pretty darn good in the regular season under Jay Woodcroft. Mm -hmm. uh, when you account for special teams, they're actually still quite good. But at even strength, not the best team in the league, obviously. But they do not have any fear. Mm -hmm. I think that was like the big thing between them and Calgary was that Calgary seemed to, when the offense started from Edmonton, it seemed like Calgary was on their heels at all times. And despite the fact that uh, the Edmonton Oilers weren't great at defending against Calgary either, they never felt like they were panicked. Mm -hmm. They were just like, we're just going to get the next one. We're going to get the next goal. We're going to get the next five goals. And they did. They were just able to do that over and over again. And to do that in game one against Colorado, despite the fact that Camper wasn't great and Frank Hughes came in cold, like it's impressive. It's it's very impressive to me. I think over yeah. the course of the series, Colorado just has way more defensive aptitude than than uh than Edmonton does just as a roster, but I'm very impressed by the Edmonton Oilers so far in these playoffs. Yeah, and I pulled a stat from ESPN. Look at me pulling stats. Uh, because I saw it, I saw it going around on social media. Uh, and this is from ESPN that the Oilers lead the NHL in goals scored 58 and goals allowed 45 this postseason. So um it's kind of a it's it really is a dichotomy between, you know, this this Oilers team of like they have incredible goal scorers. We've talked about, you know, the historic paces, McDavid, Dreisaitl. It always feels like they score the same, like at least Evander Kane scores the same goal, like every time or like they score the same goal off the rush. Like they're just really lethal at that type of play. And it makes sense because, you know, they've got fast players. They've got really creative, dynamic players are able to take advantage of teams off the rush. It just feels like they score at least a handful of those uh, those rush goals like a game. And it is it's really awesome to see it doesn't get old. But like then, of course, you've got on the other hand, you know, Mike Smith doing his best Jekyll and Hyde routine, essentially. But mm -hmm. after game one, he seems to settle in. So, you know, if if, you know, that holds true, the Oilers are in at least probably in a bit of a better position than the uh, than the avalanche here, depending on how long Kemper is out for. Because yeah, well, I mean, losing Kemper looks bad on its face because of the regular season, but Frank Hughes actually has pretty decent numbers, and Kemper has not been playing well for a long time here. I was going to say, yeah. So maybe it's not be. that big of a loss. No offense Phil, to uh, Darcy Kemper and his you family. Just don't, you, don't, you don't want to lose your starting goaltender, basically, yeah. I think is, is you know, the thing. And regardless of whether, you know, Darcy Kemper was having a good playoffs or not, he was hasn't not Still been as... Yeah, yeah, but you still you lose your starter. That's not it's it's not often going to be a key to success. I mean, we saw it with Pittsburgh. You know, they lost Tristan Jari, and Louis Domingue had a great game, and you know, and also One. lost Casey DeSmith. <laughs> yes, and also lost Casey DeSmith. Yes. So, but you know, Louis Domingue had that great game, but then wasn't able to follow it up. So you don't 
regardless of how good or your starter is playing or not, you still don't want to lose them. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, just, it, 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 it can spell disaster for your well, team. Also, it, you can play you less confidently. Like yeah. even if you go to your backup while your starter's still there, you have the option to go back to your starter, yes. right? You have that that uh, that safety net where if a guy's injured, that's just it. You know, you, yeah, you don't exactly your next step down is awful. But you mentioned scoring off the rush. You know, speaking of off the rush, Edmonton Oilers fans are still extremely angry that Kale McCarr's goal counted. Yep. And I know you had this in, in the doc as we prep for the show, but I wanted to ask your take, Mary. What did you think about that call? Because I, I think my think... my take has been very publicized. Okay. Well, I still want to hear it just for the record. Uh, but for me, I thought it wasn't going to count. Uh, because, you know, you look at the tape, it doesn't seem like it's going to be onside. Uh, but then they call it onside and everybody gets up in a roar. And then all of the hockey people that, you know, know the rules and stuff like that are like, actually, it was a good goal because of, you know, Basically, it was a very quick tag up, essentially. I know it was a very loose interpretation of the rule, as it were. Um, I don't personally mind it because that is technically the rule. And also because there were instances that I see this different than the one that was kicked in, the goal that was kicked in that wasn't allowed. Uh, I, I see this one as different because there were instances that people had later of goals that had the same thing happen where, you know, the possession was a little bit murky at the blue line. Um, they were all called consistently a goal. Stuff like the kicking motion has not been called consistently. Yeah. So that is where that's where I think um, these two instances differ. That whole kicking motion, you know, discarding that goal has not been called consistently, but in this one instance of this weird little rule, uh, you could argue, argue whether or not the rule should exist or, you know, the rule should be more clarified, but it seems as if the NFL, or not NFL, NHL uh, referees, you know, got it right by the, the, you know, the way it is in the rule book and also with the way it has been called, you know, throughout the season, essentially, or through seasons past. So, you know, I, I get why Oilers fans were mad in the moment, but at least, to me, if you like step back and, you know, take that out of it, um, this rule has been called consistently. Um, but you can also make the case that it shouldn't be the way it is. But I want to hear what you have to say, Andrew, uh, because, you know, controversy, baby, it's content. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. I understand with the way that the league is talking about offside and the way that the rule is written that you could call that not being offside. And if it were up to me on how offside should be called, mm -hmm. that should be a goal. But I saw a tweet from former referee Dave Jackson mm -hmm. that just pissed me off. <laughs> and I find Dave Jackson, no disrespect to him, but every time he weighs on an issue, I'm like, this is why I don't like refs. <laughs> like, <laughs> The, the tweet was, don't confuse possession with control. Possession is the last player to have the puck. That's how it's legal to check a player immediately after he releases the puck without being called for interference. Shut up. <laughs> possession and control are the exact same thing. If you have control of the puck, you have possession of the puck. If you have possession of the puck, you have control of the puck. The reason why you're allowed to hit a player right after they let go of the puck when and not get an interference call is because it's written in the friggin' rules mm -hmm. that you can hit a player within like 0.5 seconds after they've released the puck. That's nothing to do with possession. Mm -hmm. Like, shut up. Why are we changing the meanings of words? Those two <laughs> words are the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's very little that you could separate those two words with. I hate this stupid obfuscation that we do in the league. Like, same thing with goaltender interference. Like, well, you know, if you if you look at this specific definition of this specific word, it, make it clear. Mm -hmm. Make yeah. it clear so that the dumbest person who watches hockey understands every call. Mm -hmm. Why would we have it this way? And like the goals that people were showing, there was one. There was actually a couple, I believe, of Thomas Tatar doing this specific move where he kind of like lobs the puck into the zone and then chases it down while there's a player who's offside who comes it back in. Comparing that to the Makar situation where he very clearly is just stick handling and his stick happens to not touch the puck at the exact yeah. moment where the Colorado player is coming out of the zone. Like he did not push the puck forward and then regain control. That did mm -hmm. not happen on that goal. He was stick handling. So if we're going to 
like litigate offsides to the point where we're going to look at how a player was stick handling when crossing the line. Just quit that garbage. Like I am fine if they want to keep offsides in the game for cherry picking, right? Mm -hmm. If somebody's across the line and you pass it up to them and they get the puck and they're offside, call it offside. Fine. That's like the Deshane thing, right? Yeah. That's where the, the reviews came into the league because of that missed call. Yeah, and but, it's also the one the Penguins fans bring up is the Danny Briere one against the Penguins. But yeah, I don't remember that, that is, one. That but... it's it's a less it's a lesser known thing. That's basically a shout out to my friend who always brings that up to me uh, when we talk about offside. But continue. All right, but anyway, my point is, we should not give a rat's ass about who crosses the line first on a carry possession. Mm-hmm. It does not matter in the game. It has no impact on the play whatsoever. It's just a benefit for a defending player to try to push their stick at the right po- right moment to stop a controlled entry. It punishes skill, maybe helps defensive skill, but those players who are good enough to stop entries at the blue line will find a way to stop entries at the blue line without the benefits of causing an offside. I hate it. And this idea of like offside reviews, like, yes, we lose offsides or we lose goals on offside reviews. Yes. We also lose a lot of goals on borderline offsides that refs call in play, which mm-hmm. can't be reviewed because the play doesn't get a chance to continue. Right. Yeah. So like it doesn't, it kind of falls on deaf ears because this is a high scoring year, but we need to stop this garbage. Like the whole, like, are they touching the blue line at the right moment? Is there stick exactly on the puck? Like just, the cameras are garbage. The reviews are garbage. (laughs) This shouldn't be a situation. Like if you cannot decide whether a play should count in five seconds, it should count. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's so dumb. I hate it. Just get Mm -hmm. it out of the game. I'm tired. I think, I think just what we want is more clarity and more consistency Mm -hmm. is basically it. Um, But also even if there's clarity, I don't want there to be like the difference between position and control. There is no difference. Mm-hmm. And if you think that there's a difference, that's because you're just you're overthinking everything. It's yeah. overwrought. We don't need to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, to me, the most egregious offside ones are the ones that are the play like the play like proceeding or like before the goal is scored uh, is offside. And then, you know, the goal gets called back like from a thing that happened 10 seconds prior that's the one that annoys me the most because there were clearly more opportunities for, you know, the other team to stop the puck from going in. Uh, this one at least was like a happened immediately after the onside offside thing. So like that, that's the one that really gets me the most about offside because, you know, sure. Like it should have been maybe like a hair. It was a hair offside, but like, you know, the other team had their chances to, uh, you know, not get a goal scored on them, but Hey, we finally disagree on something, Andrew. Uh, woohoo. But, um, you know, I, I get it. Like, I completely get why people are mad and the, you know, you know, looking at the like, like it basically like you're not seeing the forest through the trees or whatever that expression is here. Essentially, we're getting too bogged down in the semantics. In the minutia. Like, yeah, in the minutia. It doesn't matter. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I think that's probably an issue that needs to be solved. Um not during an NHL season and like, you know, the league probably needs to look at the rule book and clarify things, but not make it as like, I don't know, just not get bogged down in the minutia of all of it, but we're going to end it there. Uh, because like I said, we have no idea. Um, you know, the game is on Thursday night. Um, so who knows by the time, you know, we talk to you guys again, what, uh, you know what the series is going to look like but i hope it's fun i think that's the big prevailing thing is i I, we want it to be fun and stuff like that but you know coming up next we are going to talk just a little bit about the uh the uh eastern conference final between the rangers and lightning and the surprising uh uh at least to me surprising result in game one but that'll be coming up right after this our partners at bet online continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information. From live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. 
thank you for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. Nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Andrew. So, shifting from the West to the East, uh, or it could be in a West 2.0, considering how uh, the first game ended uh, on Wednesday night. It is the Tampa Bay Lightning versus the New York Rangers, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions versus a team Andrew calls a paper tiger. But are they really, Andrew, after yes. that first game? All right. <laughs> still still towing that line, I see. And I love it. I'm so here for this. Um, but yes, the Rangers shocked the Lightning in game one by a score of six to two. Six to two. Um, the Lightning hadn't played in what? Over a week, I think, right? Like, eight I'm trying days. to remember. Yeah, eight days. Yeah. So it could have been a little bit rusty. But they did not look like themselves. The Rangers took advantage. Uh, they have home ice, too, which, you know, you maybe wouldn't have expected. But uh, because the Rangers were the higher seed in the Metropolitan Division, uh, they are the uh, home, have home ice advantage here. Um, and, yeah, what a game that was. We were all expecting the big stories. We were all expecting this to be um, a battle of the goaltenders between Andre Vasilevsky and Igor Shosturkin. And it wasn't that. Uh, no. I mean, um for a little bit, uh, it looked like both goaltenders were a bit off uh, because, you know, the Rangers would score, but then the Lightning scored like immediately after. Um, and then there was a bit of a low period and then the Rangers scored and the Lightning scored immediately after. But then that was it for the Lightning. Uh, Igor Shosturkin kind of locked down and the Rangers took advantage of an Andre Vasilevsky who wasn't looking like himself. Uh, but what did you think of this first game, Andrew? Um, and have your expectations shifted uh, just after one game of what you think we're going to see in this series? They have not shifted. Uh, <laughs> I think this was uh, the lightning looked really rusty. I think the only thing standing between them series victory is uh, Igor Shosturkin. The only thing that worries me slightly is Vasilevsky against everyone except for the Florida Panthers has not been good in the playoffs, <laughs> but he has other games to prove himself in this series. So we'll see Kucherov also being pretty clearly hobbled mm -hmm. is an issue, but I just, I don't think that the Rangers can pull this out. They are riding crazy percentages so far. I looked it up on a natural stat trick. And over the last five years, only two teams who've made the playoffs and played in the playoffs have a worse expected goals for differential than the Rangers this year. Mm -hmm. They are the Chicago Blackhawks from the play in round and the Minnesota wild from, I think it was like 2018, 19 where they just got blown apart. And I, what I believe was a sweep, but they're the only team to have played into the third round who have a sub 40% expected goals for percentage at even strength. And I, it's despite people saying like, Oh, well, special teams, including special teams are at 41%, which is still, the second worst this year. They are by far the worst this year. They have a lot of players who are going for them right now. I just don't think it carries them through against Tampa Okay, Bay. I know. Okay, I know. But it's gotten them this far. I'm, I can't believe yeah, I'm sitting sure, here going to defend every the Rangers. Cinderella, every Cinderella run ends. Sure, yes. But then you get, they usually end in the Stanley Cup final, Andrew, is what I'm getting True. at here. You get the Montreal Canadiens, the Dallas Stars, the Vegas well, this Golden This is the Knights. boss, Mary. I know. It's the I Tampa know. Bay Lightning. And I know it's only one game, but I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, try and give credence to the Rangers fans because, like, you know, there was a whole thing about they can't score on starting goaltenders. They did that here against Vasilevsky, regardless of, you know, whether he's looked good or not in the rest of the playoffs. I still think he's looked good in the playoffs, but, like, were I don't people know. This... actually saying they couldn't score against starters because I feel like that's a stupid thing to say considering their entire regular season. It's more that they've had the advantage of not playing against starting goaltenders. That's I it. mean, yeah. So I don't know. I just not that the Rangers are winning me over, but I feel like we maybe should put a little bit more respect on what the Rangers are doing here. Not that to say that your numbers are bad and wrong and you are right. And it is very possible that their Cinderella story comes to an end here. I just think we should maybe put a little bit more respect on the magic that is carrying them essentially because it's gotten them this far, even though yes, they didn't face starting goaltenders, but you know, they've been able to like, I don't know. It's the playoffs. It's some weird, you know, magic that is happening here and it can end. Yes. And it can end, especially against a team like the Tampa Bay lightning, the back-to-back -back Stanley cup champions have Andre Vasilevsky, who is 
unbeatable in games where he loses. So game two, I think, is going to be the real test here. If Vasilevsky shows up and there's a brick wall, the Rangers are in trouble. But if Vasilevsky gets into that game and the Rangers are still able to, you know, make a game out of it, I think that the narratives could be shifting here. I, You're right in that the numbers say that the Rangers should not be this good. But the eyeballs are, you know, my eyeballs are looking at it and are like, I don't know. There's something here with the Rangers. And I just I just want to give them a few seconds in, you know, the limelight because it feels like all year everybody has been doubting them. And I just, I feel like, you know, I need to give just a little bit of respect to them. But I, I get it completely. Like, they shouldn't be this good, but they have been able to find ways to make it work. And I don't want to, you know, spit in the face of your numbers, Andrew. I just feel like we should give them just a little bit more respect here. Just, just you know, from the way that they've been playing. Because they've surprised a lot of people this year. And they shouldn't be as far as they are. And I get it. But, yeah, that's it. I'm not, I'm not trying to defend the Rangers here. I'm just trying to be like, listen, we can't like, we keep saying that the analytics say that they're bad, but. You know, they currently have a one nothing lead on uh, the back-to-back Stanley Cup champions. So Yeah, so did the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's true. So we'll see we'll see how it ends by series end. But I at least I at least want to give a little credence to Rangers fans that they feel like they're being seen and heard here because I feel like they're being uh I don't know, they you know, picked on basically. Uh because they're I mean being... they're in the conference final. It doesn't matter if they're being picked on, they're gonna That's be happy true. anyway. That's true, I, mean, I suppose. This is the thing about the Rangers is like, yes. I don't think they're very good right now. I think that they are lucking their way into this. I think that but that's Chris Kreider is going to be more likely to be a ago. 28 goal scorer next year than a 50 but goal scorer. Next year is not but now, Andrew. I, next I, year is not now. Listen, hear me out. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> this is the first year of their competitive window after a rebuild. They're not supposed to win the Stanley Cup. So this is just fun. Yeah. It's a great experience for the young players. They will be better than this. I'm not saying the rebuild is a failure or anything like that. I don't know. But. I don't believe in them at all. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. That, I mean, that's completely fair. And I mean, obviously like the numbers don't support them, but to me, like I said, they feel like the penguins of however many years ago that like were getting super lucky in route on their way to winning their a Stanley second Cup. Stanley cup. I think so. It, yeah, honestly, the, the Andrew, it all blends. That, it all that blends. Penguin team, that penguins team, when they lost Latang, cause remember they went that whole, uh, I think it was like the whole playoffs without Latang. Ron Hainsey was their number one D. So they shut things down ridiculously in front of their net. They played a Mm -hmm. very conservative game in their own end. And then they focused all of their offense on getting to and through the middle of the ice right in front of the net. And they, they were like a sub 45% Corsi team. I think Mm -hmm. in those playoffs, if you were like, Oh, how are they doing this? But if you looked at the high danger chances, they were like 65%. So that's how they were doing. They were dominating it. Whereas the Rangers across the board are just getting absolutely dogged on and credit to them. They've faced tough competition. Mm -hmm. The Penguins were incredible in that first round, especially before Crosby went down. The Hurricanes are a team that will control the puck against you no matter who you are. So they got through two tough teams. Third tough team now here. I think the magic runs out. Okay. And that's fair. And I think you hit on something earlier that they have nothing to lose. So they have like. They're playing loose. Yeah, How they're playing. They yeah, exactly. They're playing. They're they're having fun. They're playing loose. Um, there's certain pressures on other teams. Like, I don't know if the Lightning necessarily feel pressure, but, you know, they have history dangling in front of them. I'm sure in the back of their mind, maybe they do feel some sort of, you know, pressure because this could be an incredible historic run. They probably don't have like they've been here before. They know like they're not going to go out quietly or easily or whatever. These are the back to back Stanley Cup champions. Like I was saying in the previous episode, they're the final boss and they're final boss for a reason. And the final boss never goes down without a fight. Um, But then you've got, you know, teams like the Oilers and the, you know, Avalanche who have their have had their own demons to face um, and have not gotten this far uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs before. It just there's the potential here for the Rangers to do something really special. And I just wanted to give them props because, you know, I just feel like Rangers fans, I'm on your side here for now, but this is the Tampa Bay lightning. We shouldn't give up on them yet. Obviously. I think though game two is going to be a huge indicator as to, you know, where the series goes because so far Vasilevsky has been an incredible goaltender, absolutely lights out, you know, on games after, you know, he loses. This is going to be a test, I think. Um, And 
so far the Lightning have shown that they have been able to, you know, pass the test and go far beyond expectations. So, but they are a bit banged up. I don't know if Braden Point is coming back in the series. Kucherov is pretty hobbled too. John uh, Cooper said that Braden Point is skating now in full equipment. Okay. So if he's skating in full equipment. Was that from today? Because I don't. Yeah, I think okay. this morning or last night. Okay, because but, the last uh, time I way, saw was on Wednesday when he said that, I believe, before the game is they don't know yet if he's going to be coming back, but that's at least a positive sign. Yeah. It, it sounded like the last time before this, that he spoke about it, that he was very cagey about yes. point playing at all in the playoffs again. And then all of a sudden he's like, maybe in this series, well, which to me means a couple games from now. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's, that's at least good for the lightning. Cause the last time I heard it didn't seem so good, but you know, there's, there's hope and the Rangers have an uphill battle here. And I'm really hoping that, the series is much like the first game, basically. Like we all build it as, you know, an incredible goalie matchup. And I do like goalie matchups. I just don't want it to be the whole series. You know, you want some fun. You want some goal scoring. And goal scoring has been up this year. We talked about it. And I'm happy to see that it translated into the first game. But we'll see. I'm expecting game two to be more of the uh, you know, more of a shutdown game uh between the two teams. But you never know. It's the playoffs. And you know, anything else you want to say before we move on? Uh because you know, we, we, you know, we disagree here on the Rangers, but I think that's okay. So, oh, you know what? I will add one thing because I looked up the NHL rule book, which is actually difficult to find. The NHL really? doesn't have it on their own site. I had to find it from scouting the refs oh. on the NHL's site. They have the rule book from like 2013, which is I'm not absurd. surprised given I'm not surprised given how uh, of a mess that the NHL's uh, website is. This is true. It's very but bad. What I was talking about with Dave Jackson, where he was saying, like, you can still be in possession without uh, having control of the puck. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out that according to the NHL's own interference rule, what he was talking about, like, you can be in possession and that's why you can get hit after releasing the puck. No, it says on being hit when not in possession of the puck, the last player to touch the puck other than the goalkeeper shall be considered the player in possession. The player deemed in possession of the puck may be checked legally provided the check is rendered immediately following his loss of possession. Mm -hmm. So if it's a loss of possession, then it's not possession. Mm -hmm. So Dave Jackson, you're the ESPN rules analyst. Maybe you should learn the rules. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe you know, just dust up that dust up that rule book you got there and learn the rules. To be fair, I don't know how I can throw stones here because I don't really know the NHL's rules outside of the you know the major ones. Uh, I can't referee a game to save my life, but no, <laughs> it is it is what it is. But coming up next, uh, I'm going to let Andrew take the lead on this one because I don't know where this came from. It's just a random tweet about. A hockey players as animals or something like that. We got some fun stuff for you coming up next, but that'll be coming up right after this break. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. RockAuto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend it up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. How did you hear about us, box so that they know we sent you? Amazing selection. Reliable low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Okay, Andrew, please explain what you have served up here for this last segment because um, I completely missed this, and I think you were talking about it on Twitter, but I, like, yes. completely, like, bypassed it, so... Cue this up for us, Andrew, please. Okay, so every year at the scouting combine, teams do like player interviews for the draft, Mm -hmm. right? And they always have like some quirky, weird questions, which it's never really about the answer. It's about how players like justify their answer. But uh, this year, one of the popular questions that teams were asking prospects was what animal would best describe them as a hockey player? Mm -hmm. And according to Mike Morial from the NHL, 
most of the players said a lion, whereas Slavkovsky, Slavkovsky said wolf. And my instant reaction was lion is like the worst animal to pick because male lions just sit around all day and let the lionesses do all the hunting. So unless you're going to say a lioness, then maybe. But overall, I don't know if that's like the animal that you want to pick to, mm-hmm. to represent you. You better Andrew, have a pretty think, good explanation. Do you think hockey players and, you know, the hockey men who interview them are smart enough to know that? No, that's my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but we talked about, you know, a bunch of people were throwing out ideas of what would be a good one for different players to have. And, you know, if you're a, a shutdown defenseman who's like really physical hippo, right? Hippos are absolutely vicious. You know, they will defend their territory with teeth and bulk. You know, if you're a big dude, maybe not the most mobile, but if you got them in a straight line, they're going to crush you. And I saw, you know, Wolf is, an, is not a bad one, right? Because you could say dogged pursuit of your goals and you work well in a pack. That's a that's a decent one. However, wolves are a little bit skittish when in danger. So maybe not the best pick. And I saw some people saying African wild dogs because they have a, a hunting success rate of 83% <laughs> and apparently are like very good uh, pack animals. They take care of each other really well. But uh, one of the ones that I like the most that I saw going around Twitter was uh, oh, geez, now I'm like blanking on the animal that they actually chose. It was like badger or something like that. It was like your, your net front player, right? The, the guy mm-hmm. who like, uh, oh, hyena. Hyena, that's go. the one. Uh, your net front player who cleans up all the garbage, right? Who gets all the scraps, a hyena, just like always laughing, a Brendan Gallagher type. Uh-huh. But uh, so Mary, if you were going to be a hockey player and an animal had to represent you, what animal would you choose? Okay. Well, I was thinking when you asked this, when you messaged this in our little DM thing, I was like, okay, what, what the ideal hockey players say is their answer. And I immediately went to a crocodile because they're aggressive. They're mean, they're big. Uh, and you know, people, hockey players, or at least, you know, the hockey men love their big power forwards type thing. I'm thinking like, I don't know, is Brad Marchand in that type of, you know, like, uh, that type of thing. I know people classify him as, as a rat, but it's a different, it's a different type of thing. Um, I don't know. That was my first thought is, you know, crocodiles are uh, aggressive and, you know, pursue their prey more like more aggressive than like alligators are, I believe. Cause I had to look at the difference. Cause I, I get them mixed up, but that was my first thought. Um, I don't know what I would want to be if I was a hockey player. Um, because, I don't know. Um, my first answer probably would have been wolf because, like, you know, good in packs. Also, I like dogs a lot. Uh, I mean, people uh, equate me as a person to a corgi because I'm short, excitable, but have short legs. So, like, it fits. Yeah. I uh, saw one <laughs> saying cockroach because they can survive answer. anything. Uh, you could be like uh, a cockroach, I, even though that is technically not an animal. It's an insect of some sort, but yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I, I want to know what you want to would want to be though. For me, for me, I think it'd be a badger. Okay, right, absolutely fierce. Comes in a small package. I'm only five seven, <laughs> five seven and a half. So uh, like a honey badger, mm-hmm. you know, things roll off your back. You're not, yeah, uh, you don't care. You're not afraid of contact. You're not afraid of anything. You just don't care. It's like mm-hmm. that viral video, right? Exactly. Can we equate the- other hockey players to animals? In terms of yes, like- I was going to say to me, like the high end goal scorers who thrive on like getting lost in coverage. I always compare like Cole Caulfield or Alex Ovechkin to a shark where like yeah. you don't see them until it's too late. Mm-hmm. When, when you see that fin, you're dead already. That's a good one for me. Uh, let's see. There's like if somebody's like a big hitter, like a Tom Wilson, you could do like a rhino. Yeah. Tom Wilson, Ryan Reeves. Uh, I mean, obviously, Connor McDavid is a cheetah, fastest animal. Yep. Um, absolutely blazing speed. Although, is is Connor McDavid a cheetah or is he more like a gazelle because of the agility, right? Mm-hmm. Cheetahs are like straight line, short distance, right? Yeah. They get tired, whereas a gazelle is like he, they're hopping in and out of traffic. Mm, that's, yeah, that's a good point, though. Like, you, if you were a hockey player, you'd pick Cheetah because of, you know, it's... Um, you want a predator because hockey yeah. players are hockey players. Yeah, but, you know, Gazelle is not bad at all because, like, you're right. It's the agility the to, you know, move through spaces and stuff like that. So that makes yeah. sense. Um, Kale McCarr was asked this question a few years ago, and he said a Wolverine. 
which is oh. along the lines of a badger. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like they are not. It's not like the you know X Men character. They are smaller. Yeah. They're like like yeah, badgers or or I'm trying to think of the other animal that they're an equivalent to, but I can't at the moment. Um, what else? What would be a good equivalent for like the smaller gold scores, like that aren't like, you know, I guess I'm thinking of like. I'll put it Danny Breer because I talked about him earlier in the episode, mm. but like, you know, your smaller goal scorer types, I guess Cole Caulfield is a small goal boy. So like, you know, outside of the shark metaphor, would there be another one, you know, you would think that would work for, you know, a smaller NHL player that can score. What about, I mean, for Caulfield, it's gotta be something that can like, just, it's gotta be like a shark in that it finds its way to get lost in traffic and then appears at the last moment. So maybe like a Falcon. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. It's a good point. Yeah. Peregrine Falcon for Denny Briere. Denny Briere, like he, he w- could score goals, but I always saw him as more of a playmaker. So you, I mean, a bird works because vision. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But uh, I don't know what I'd pick for Denny Briere. Mm, yeah. That's a good point. Maybe like a hawk or something like that. Yeah. It's a neat thought experiment for sure. Uh, it just absolutely threw me off because, like, what are we talking about here with animals? It's it's very like- psychology 101, which doesn't surprise me for NHL general managers. No. But it questions. is a fun thought experiment. I wonder what other questions they have asked. Because you're right. It's not about the answer. It's about how that they, like, their thought process, basically. I wonder what other questions they've asked uh, NHL players because... It just seems like, uh, you know, an interesting thing to go through that type of interview and then sort of be, be blindsided. It's like if you went to a job interview and they're like, I mean, yeah, explain what type of animal you are. Because I've never had that happen to me in a job interview before. So, uh, but yeah, it's probably all about that. Anything else you want to say about this before we move on to our pop culture segment? No, I just thought it would be a, a fun thing to chat. It about. was. It was. At least it's a it's you're right. It's a good thought experiment. Um, interesting to, you know, think about NHL players in that way. Um because there are a lot of similarities to them with animals. But we're going to move on, and we're going to take a quick break and then talk about our pop culture segment before we end it off for the week. That'll be coming up right after this. You've been asking, and Built Delivered, Built Granola Bars are here. Built Granola Bars come in three unbelievable flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Want to try all three flavors? You can get a mix box at Built.com right now. They're so different from the bars and the puffs. Built Granola Bars are loaded with granola. It's a perfect combination of crunch and chewiness. But just like bars and puffs, these babies are packed with protein and covered in 100% real chocolate. With 150 calories, 15 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar, Built Granola Bars will change your world. Built has cracked the code to better granola. They're the perfect healthy snack to pack in your lunch, take on the road, or eat as a snack. And they're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently and provides tons of health benefits. So if you've been waiting for a healthy and delicious granola bar to hit the market, this is your time. Head to Built.com right now to get Built Granola Bars. Try three delicious flavors, chocolate peanut butter, chocolate coconut, and white chocolate berry. Don't miss out. you got to get yours today. Go to Built.com to get Built Granola Bars now. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. All right, Andrew, let's dive into spoiler mode for uh, the latest Obi-Wan Kenobi episode. I don't think we have anything else to talk about but this. Um, So, Andrew, spoilers, spoilers, you know, you know the whole thing. Don't listen to this if you haven't seen it or you don't care. Um, So, Andrew, what did you think about the fight between Obi-Wan and Darth Vader in episode three already? Already getting into it, Andrew. What'd I know think? it was great. Uh, I loved it. I love that they're showing Obi-Wan as like disconnected and mm-hmm. out of practice. And the fear, the pure fear that Ewan McGregor is showing as Kenobi when faced with having to fight his friend again, Anakin, is is just amazing. And I Star Wars has a relative issue compared to many movies and franchises with dialogue Mm -hmm. where they just a lot of it is memeable but terrible Mm -hmm. but when obi-wan first faces him and says what have you become and then vader responds in james earl jones phenomenal voice great to hear him great to hear him again i know i am what you made me oh my god is that ever a line Mm-hmm. It's so good because it's multifaceted, right? It's Obi-Wan's failure as a teacher and 
Obi-Wan's success in striking him down Mm -hmm. in Revenge of the Sith in creating this man-machine hybrid monster that is Darth Vader. It was phenomenal. And then you have... Can we talk about how much of a drama queen Vader is? Yes. <laughs> Where he, he goes through... Because it's, it's not just this. It's other moments, too. Like, in Rebels... Or not Rebels. Uh, in uh, Rogue One, in the hallway scene. The famous oh, yeah. hallway scene, right? Mm-hmm. And he lights his lightsaber, and that's the only source of light. He had to turn off his panel on his chest mm-hmm. to be all in dark, which means Darth Vader turned off his life support. And according to like Star Wars canon, that means he's only keeping himself alive through pure will of using the force. So he put himself off life support <laughs> to be scary. Have you and seen? Then he's always going around in space where there's no wind, making sure his cape is flowing in the wind. So he's using the force to make his cape flow. And then he picks up Obi-Wan like lights the ground on fire mm-hmm. and rubs him through the fire to like bring him down to what he experienced. Mm-hmm. I love that Vader is a gigantic drama queen. Mm-hmm. Yes. Have you seen the like memes of where people put songs over, you know, the one in rogue one is like either like toxic by Britney Spears or I need a hero. They're really funny. I would implore you to look it up because yep. the music fits so well with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, not only is he a drama queen, he's cruel, like, oh, yeah. like murdering people because he knows like at the beginning, but not at the beginning, at the beginning of that sequence, murdering people because he knows Obi-Wan will help like that's a, get a way to get obi-wan out of hiding is to be like brutally murdering people children no, too. like children yeah for like no reason other than to you know put draw on a out. show and draw them out and then not only that the you know cruelty of you know dragging him through the fire of like what he went through yes dramatic and you know very theatrical and very villain like but cruel too and and playing um, with his food right yeah exactly very much like a cat Mm -hmm. and the fact that at the end in my opinion he lets obi-wan go yeah like there's no way he he put out that fire using the force earlier in the scene he could have just done it again and chased after him and got him yeah i think he's playing a a cat and mouse game yeah Yeah. it's like a threat send a message basically yeah and And like when when the other inquisitors were like oh we'll never find him now vader's like i'll find him and it it makes me excited because I assume there's going to be another fight by the end of like this isn't going to be it. There is Definitely. going to be because Obi-Wan has, you know, trouble connecting with the force now is not is out of practice, out of shape, um, not nearly as, you know, incredible of a fighter as we've seen, you know, in the prequels. I mean, what, 10 years have passed basically since then. Um, and I, I don't know. I don't think he's going to get it all back. But, you know, there will be a point where he is going to you know snap out of it or you know you know he's going to be become he's going to become the obi-wan we're more used to i would assume by the end because they want to put on a good show they want to put on a good fight sequence it makes sense you know for the dramatics this is the second time they've teased him trying to reach out to qui-gon oh yeah yeah so eventually that's going to be successful or else they wouldn't even put it in there. Exactly. <laughs> like, check out check Qui-Gon, baby. Let's go. Exactly. So he'll he'll reconnect with the Force, speak to Qui-Gon, gain his like, confidence back. And I feel like just based on the lighting in that oh, yeah. whole... Like, the advancement in lightsaber technology on set allowing them to doing to do those like scatter lightning effects just makes everything so much better and going back mm-hmm. to like force awakens you could really see that in the forest fight scene which mm-hmm. is probably my favorite lightsaber fight yes. of the sequels mm-hmm. um fantastic looking the final fight i think that we're going to get between these two is going to be the new definitive lightsaber battle i think mm-hmm I really hope so. I, they're really building towards something. And I said, I think in our last episode, that they weren't going to bring out the lightsabers, at least for Obi-Wan. They weren't going to bring, because, you know, we've seen, the, you know, the Inquisitors use their lightsabers or whatever, but we weren't going to see Obi-Wan use it until a big moment. And this was yeah, a big moment. until he had to. Until he had to. This was the big moment. I I don't know if they're going to, you know, continue to, you know, let him, like, train, basically, or, like, you know, get back up to form essentially but they're using it sparingly for uh effectiveness and it's 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 really working and it's doing a lot of really awesome character work it hits you right in the feels too with what you said the the line of like i am what you made me so good very good character writing and just you know 
makes me happy. Like, I'm so excited to see where this goes because it's it's really, you know, going to come to a boiling point, basically. In yeah. the, final the haters episode. from the first two episodes are real quiet right now, eh? I know, right? Like, this was just like, the, you got everything you wanted. Like, Obi-Wan is being laid low, uh, you know, being, you know, drugged through his grief um, and all that stuff. And, you know, we get Speaking to see... Speaking of that, the moment with him and Leia on the back of that truck mm-hmm. where he talks about Padme indirectly. Yeah. That was such a really, like, such a great moment. I feel like there's more emotion in this one episode of Kenobi than was communicated in the entire prequel trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just, you can feel on Ewan McGregor's face, like, the the feeling of loss of a friend, of someone you've kind of absorbed all of the extra continuity of the clone wars and added so much more depth to these characters. And I know I saw an interview with Hayden Christensen talking about how he watched the clone wars in preparation for this role and brought in some of like uh, that level of Anakin to this. And I think that's so interesting to see like an animated series have so much impact on these characters and you can feel it in, in this show. I, I just think it's, it's such a richer story because of what Dave Filoni's done. Yes, exactly. And yeah, I mean, we're halfway through now. Uh, I'm interested to see where they go from here. But it seems like if I had to guess, you know, episode six is going to be, you know, the big climactic battle, you know, the big showdown and stuff like that. So uh, we're going to see now it's probably going to take, you know, a little bit of a I would assume that the next episode is a little bit more low-key in terms of like stakes but you know got got to build that character leia's with the third sister that's true yes that's true but pretty high stakes (laughs) true it's high stakes but we know leia's okay in the end so yes it's not as nearly as high stakes it's more just like the character um you know the character moments and the character drama the growth that comes Mm -hmm. out of all of those stakes and Um, she was so good in this episode too mm -hmm. the the young actress playing leia who i know a lot of people were annoyed by her in episode two which is she's a kid that's mm-hmm. how kids act. They're impetuous. Yeah. They don't want to listen. But she was so great in this one. Mm-hmm. I, I really and the actress who plays the uh, third sister also doing an incredible job. Yes. So. Yes. And also for for those who were hating on her, uh, how embarrassing is it that Ewan McGregor had to make a video mm-hmm. put out by the official Star Wars Twitter account being like, you're not real Star Wars fans. Get out of here. Star Wars fans are something else, man. I, yeah. They're not even Star Wars fans. Like, I know. They're just like, people who think they own something and it, they don't fandom is it's a hell of a thing it's a hell of a thing andrew it really yeah, there's is. a reason why fan is short for fanatic right mm-hmm. yeah, it, and it, it is when you're when you get so attached to something that you think that you're the only one who understands it or who can be represented by it it's just mm-hmm. it's not a good thing you got to take a step back and and enjoy it for what it is and i i really think i've really liked the character development of reva and i think that that scene in the beginning, I don't know if we mentioned it last episode with the younglings during order 66. I'm pretty sure she was in that scene. Otherwise I don't really get them showing it mm-hmm. instead of like a flashback, like they've been showing when Kenobi is being uh, in his dreams or whatever. I think that her character is going to be really important mm-hmm. and people are going to appreciate it by the end. Yeah, uh, for sure. And <sighs> Yeah, I mean, don't keep, keep use your fan powers for good. You you can disagree with something and you can criticize something, but to attack the people um, that are just acting out the parts, no, don't do that. Like, yeah. you should be I mean, people be still crap on the girl who played Rose Tico, and like, yeah, just because you don't like her character doesn't mean that the actress is somebody that you should bully. Like, yeah, exactly. But people, you know, take it out on. Uh, mostly women or people of color. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, John Boyega also went through it too. Uh, but there is, um, it's a, it, there's a clear line of like the people who get bullied yep. versus the people who don't. But don't just do ha- that. It just happens to be those people all it the time, Mary. It happens to be those characters. Like, it's I don't not know. that they're awful people. How dare you accuse them of racism and misogyny mm-hmm. when they just happen to always hate women and people of color? Yeah. It's just a coincidence. It's just a coincidence. Don't do it is basically yes, just what stop. we're saying. All right. If you act that way, you don't deserve to enjoy these things. Exactly. It's not for you. That exactly. This stuff isn't for you if you're going to be that petulant about it. But we're going to wrap up all that talk. Uh, next week, we'll have more, I guess, Obi-Wan talk because the show is still going and I'm very excited about it. But that is all we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL show. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify and YouTube and rate and review us while you're at it. 
You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter, me at Macy Clark on Twitter, and Andrew at Andrew Berkshire, or Berkshire on Twitter. Thanks for making the Crosscheck NHL show your first listen every Tuesday and Friday. We'll be back on Tuesday with some more puck talk, but now make your second listen Locked On NHL. From first-round matchups to each Stanley Cup kiss, Locked On NHL covers the playoffs like no other. Hear the latest news and opinions from local experts every Monday through Friday. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts.